Hey, you're listening to the Winnipeg Music Project, where music making matters. I'm your host, Ashley Bienyage. Each episode features interviews with local music makers in hopes to connect the vibrant Winnipeg music scene with listeners like you. Through stories of songwriting, album releases, and touring, listen to the unique journeys of local artists who love what they do. to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM, Music Making Matters. I'm your host, Ashley Bienyaj. Today, I'm here with Postwar. Postwar, aka Postwar from SoundCloud, aka Posty Pants. How's everybody doing? Post- I'm doing wonderful. <laughs> Posty Pants? Oh, yeah, always. Um, people can't call me by my normal name if they really know me. They can't call you that? No, because no? if they come up to me and say, hey, what's good, Postwar? I mean, it, makes, it scares me a little bit. So just call me Posty or Post. Everybody does. Okay. All right. Um, now I know. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Sure. Yeah. You, you can call me whatever you want. This is your show. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So Mr. Post. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's a new year. It is. Yeah. How have you been doing? Uh, new year. It's been, um, it's been stressful so far just because it's uh, the new year brought along like pretty complete lifestyle change. I'm like, I'm doing... Everything that I'm doing now is different than what I was doing in 2019, even in November, December. Um, I'm a, you know, it's a, beforehand I was kind of a, I had a studio space and I was living at home with my folks, but uh, now I live out of my studio and I just kind of do music all the time. Right. You know, do what I got to do for money. Right. So it's, it's been a, it's been a stressful situation because you're, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a young cat. I'm about 22. So, uh, about 22, not about 22. <laughs> yeah. I don't quite remember. Yeah. But <laughs> age is a number. Yeah. But I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 22. So it's my first time living on my own and you get used to a lot of different things, let alone like having like music be the main center of it. Cause right. it's like, you know, there's, there's no break from music when you live like that. It's like, you're living in your studio. You're always around your equipment. There's no excuse to not be constantly writing and working on stuff right so it's it's a different feel but i think that it's uh transformative and i think it's going to do wonderful things that's amazing so you made this transition into um full-time artist yes and and why did you decide that that was important because you said before we started recording you said that you were in school and now you decided that music is going to be your passion project and what you're going to focus all your energy yeah because because uh i mean the the what i was in uh school for it's like i won't go into specifics but it was definitely what what i was in school for would already be considered a passion project you know i i'm not i'm not an academic and i never have been i wasn't out here trying to uh become a lawyer or a doctor or even like an accountant i uh you know it it, it was it's all it's always going to be something art based and when when you're like me and you're not smart and the only good thing you're good (laughs) at is music you have to like accept that your life is going to be harder than those who want to pursue it on nine to five but um, what I was doing in university would have been a passion project either way. It was, it was, I was not in the faculty of science is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but what, like what made me want to do that is basically like, 
it fe- it's uh it's interesting because I've only lived a quarter of my life. I'm 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 a I'm a, I'm a young fella, but I I I just uh, I got fed up with wasting time because I, everyone I know who's uh pursued music and also gotten a degree has always said I wish I hadn't gotten that degree. I wish I just chased music and gone for it full force as opposed to you know taking my blinders off and having all these other commitments outside of music. Um I'm a strong believer in that this you know things happen if you make this your only thing right and um and it's it's uh it was a tough decision and it's not something that made everybody happy but i think that it was worth it and it's created a more fulfilling uh day-to-day existence for me right what if you got a degree in music though oh yeah i could absolutely get a degree in like music production or something like that but i would i'm like near near the end of this degree because mm. it, it was uh i could I, like if i went back i would have to take about half a semester and then i'd have my degree really yeah so you're why don't why not just like do it i couldn't take it not even like one i one, couldn't no? I, I seriously couldn't like it right. i've never school always made me miserable um but i was able to deal with it throughout the past three years or so you know I deal with stress how most university students do with copious amounts of alcohol. So <laughs> when I got when I stopped doing that, I realized, damn, or I mean, darn, excuse me, I realized, dang, um, I am like in my day to day existence, I really am miserable as heck, and uh, I hate I hate school, and I've always hated school, right. and I just didn't notice before because I had really unhealthy coping mechanisms. Mm. So uh, I realized that. I realize that I'm still young and that I've got tons of time left on my hands, but in the grand scheme of things, we live to be, what, 70, 80 if we're lucky? Not me. I'm not going to live to be 80. But we, li- <laughs> we, like, we, we don't live like that long in the grand scheme of things, and once you're gone, you're gone. Right. Like, I, I, I think that even if you are not financially stable, following something that you really love and really want is it's more fulfilling even if you're broke. I am broke. But <laughs> there's something very fulfilling about what I'm doing now because you feel as if the blinders are back on and you're focusing on what you love as opposed to what other people want you to love. Right. Wow. So insightful. I'm sure you've thought about this a lot. <laughs> uh yeah, in my head. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Are you going to like uh, do you sing about that at all or is- I I don't I try to there's there's something uncomfortable to me about recognizing the struggles that come with music like on record because <coughs> there's enough um really downtrodden subjects that I touch on in my in my music and so I think that when I'm actually creating music I like to like revel in it and if I've got like a vibe going it's like i want to keep it going so like if i'm in the studio and i hear a beat i really love and i start writing to it i don't want to start writing about how stressful making music is because i feel like if you just like wallow in it 24 7 it, it it does mess with your motivation and it i've definitely been in places where thinking about all that i've given up for music and all that i still have to give up for music uh, it definitely messes with your motivation, especially if you're not in a good headspace. You start thinking about it negatively as right. opposed to positively. Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally get that. So that's where you are currently, right? Yes. Um, but let's uh, roll it back to how you first got involved in music. What, what were you 
what were you listening to when you were younger and how did you start making music? I got like super into music when I was in middle school. I was, um, <clears throat> cause it's like, I always listened to stuff on the radio and whatever. My parents always had the radio on and my mom really loved the bare naked ladies. So, you know, we, we were connoisseurs right from the get go. But what happened was, is that in middle school, I started getting into uh, classic rock really hard. I was really into the Beatles. I was obsessed with the Beatles. <laughs> I was like, I like every kid who like discovers like that first old band and is like, I don't, I don't listen to this new music. I only listen to old music. Right. I only listen to classic rock. <laughs> like I, I was that kid right. in, in middle school. Great. So I, I listened to a lot of the Beatles, a lot of Led Zeppelin. Uh, the Who. I was really big into The Who. I still love that album, Tommy. I think that that's an amazing album. But as as it went on, it's like I think that what got me was less the fact that this was old music and more the fact that in my head it was music that went against the grain. Of course it didn't. It like when when you're young, it, like when and you hear stuff, you hear classic rock. It's like your first exposure to like really edgy, like kind of different music. Uh, even though it's like insanely popular. So I think over time I started looking for stuff that was more off the wall and more rebellious. And by the time I was in grade nine, I was uh, listening to a lot of like backpack rap, which is, um, yeah, yeah, a backpack rap is basically like a backpacker is someone who believes in that, that who like only listens to like super lyrical hip hop and mm -hmm. like really in like enjoys, like puts lyrics above everything else. And so I listened to a lot of stuff like Immoral Technique. So, so where, of, where does the backpack come in? Uh, bas well, basically, because like back in the day, it was like they were rocking backpacks instead of like I see. anything else. Okay, yeah, gotcha. like old heads. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like usually it's old heads who feel these things. But there was uh, I listened to a lot of MF Doom. I listened to a lot of Immortal Technique. I listened to a lot of Tech Nine, Tone Deaf, Deadly. Deadly was the first queer rapper I'd ever heard of. And I also listened to a lot of uh, Kanye West because this was – I remember when Yeezus first came out and I'd found like a really – You found Yeezus? Yeah. <laughs> I was saved, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've, I found like a really low-quality torrent of Yeezus and I brought it on a flash drive to school and I was listening to it in computer science class and I was just – I was blown away. Of course, I'd heard Death Grips at this point, but like Yeezus was something different. Right. So I was I was getting like really into rap and I thought to myself, you know what? I want to start writing. And so I would I would just find random beats and I'd write to them just to figure out just to find my voice and figure out how to like fit stuff into a bar and make it not sound uh bad. You know, I developed like my flow and how I like to say stuff. And what was bad to you at this point? What was bad? Yeah, like what, when you were when you were writing, what were like this isn't good enough. You know, like when if I I didn't want to uh, write stuff that sounded like everybody else because I I take influences from everywhere, but I wanted to uh, I wanted it to be clear that there was effort being put into the rhymes without having it be full blown like I'm a spiritual lyrical miracle individual like really corny stuff like that. I didn't want to like go over the top with the lyricism quote-unquote but i wanted there to definitely be some like s some acrobatics going on with the uh with my diction okay i i was um so i I kind of like honed that a little bit and i went because i listened to a lot of mf doom i was used to 
weird rhyme schemes and stuff like that. So I, I got really into that, and I started recording in around 2015 because I'd been – 2015 was, like, the height of, like, the SoundCloud era where a bunch of young kids with microphones in their basements and in their bedrooms were uploading stuff to SoundCloud, and it was blowing the heck up. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I, if they can do it, I can do it. Let's finally start recording something. And so in 2015, I I went and uh, bought a microphone. I bought a pop filter, bought two big old panels of soundproofing, and and uh, I went at it for about two years. I was uploading only on yeah for about three years. I was uploading only to SoundCloud, and then I got my first show, I believe, in April of 2017. Okay. Yes, I think I think that that's what it. No, it was April 2018. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. 2017 was a long time ago. I keep forgetting. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for, my first show was in April of 2018, and that was when things really kicked into high gear, and that's kind of brought me to where I am now. And and what, where did you have your first show? Rookie Sports Bar. Okay. Yeah. And and how did that opportunity come about? Like, uh, I met a um, – I, I was – because I was posting my stuff on um, – on SoundCloud only, so of course anybody who saw it would only hear about it from there. You know, there there wasn't like the way to like get access to it on everything yet. Um, but one of my uh, somebody that I knew from uh, from uh, from high school um, hit me up in the DMs and was like, "Your stuff's dope. Let's work on something." And uh, he's not really doing anything anymore. Rap like really isn't his thing anymore. But at the time it was, and what happened was is that the next, with, within the next couple of days we recorded, and then the next day they sent me a poster, and it was like, yo, we got a show on the 20th, come through. Because it's like I was already on the poster. Right. I didn't ask to be on the show. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing a show now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, but that, I, we did that, and nobody came, but we loved it, and we felt so cool. Right. It's so like at the, be- at the beginning when like, it's like just the fact that you're doing a show is enough to satisfy you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, first show at Rookie Sports Bar, I did a couple at those, a couple at Club St. B. Those were kind of like my, uh, that was me like getting getting my toes wet. And and how, how do you feel, like looking back, where do you think you were skill level? And obviously like you've improved since then, but like how are you feeling looking back at those first few shows? Like music wise or performance wise? Both. Yeah, uh definitely I've gotten uh I've gotten better music wise just because I've always mixed my own stuff, but when I was first starting I only had the faintest idea of how mixing worked and I'm still learning. So there was uh like the songs themselves cuz the whole point of doing shows is to promote your music. Mm-hmm. So I was always a great performer, you know, I was a theater kid. It's it's uh a, like as embarrassing as that is. Uh, shout out to everybody. Also who's... a theater kid. It's, Amen, yeah, again. Right? <laughs> it's uh, like shout out to all the people who uh, saw me in my yearbook, voted most dramatic. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. But like, I, I've I've always been like a good performer. Like I've never been scared to like go on stage and perform stuff. It's just that the music that I was promoting through my shows didn't sound very good. You know, the talent was there, and I think that people saw that right from the get-go. The talent was there, the energy was there, and, like, the drive was there, but it just needed a bit of oomph as far as 
actual production value went. Right, like tighten it up a little bit. Exactly, yeah. That's that's why uh, I was very lucky to meet people like uh, Drink Bleach and Spag King and all them, people who really kind of took me under their wing and like showed me it's like, okay, not every, this is how compression works, you know. If your voice, your voice is really high and really bright, you might have to mix it this way. So it, it's like you, you, you just pick, pick stuff up. Right. Like when you first meet people, it's weird. You don't want to ask too many questions because you feel like you're just riding their coattails. But over, like the more you get to know someone, the more down they are to just like show you the ropes essentially. Now, nowadays, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing because you can have a whole career and never meet the people who produce your music. Um, I try to work with as many local guys as possible. Um, Drink Bleach has uh, produced a bunch of joints for me. Ed Riley's produced a bunch of joints. Um, Term produced about half of my first album. I try to, um, you know, just work with as many local people as possible. And sometimes I will roll down to their studios and listen to what they have. But a lot of the time I don't like, I don't know, I think that there's something kind of weird about coming into the studio and being like, hey, can you do this with this beat specifically? It's what I want. Because, you know, like, producers are artists just as much as the the rappers and singers who do their thing over their beats are. Right. So I think that coming in and, like, telling the producer what to do is kind of a weird... I don't know. I think that's... I, it's, it, it, it makes me feel weird. Right. It's like, to me, yeah. it's like, make something. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. And you make something else. That'll be dope. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, you're... You're a producer, you're an artist, and you know more about this thing than I ever will. So I, I, I trust, I, I usually trust the uh, producer's judgment. Right. So. But, but yeah, it's uh, like I go, to, I go to Ed's studio pretty often. I go to Term Spot quite often, and they'll show me stuff that they have. But I'm not often like in there like telling them what sounds I want or like how I want it. Mm. There's just, you know, a lot of the time people make something, and I either like it or I don't. Yeah, totally. What inspires you to or when you're writing your your lyrics or, mm. or the sound that you're gonna you're gonna be performing? Like, how do you get into that mindset, and how do you get from the beginning to this finished product that you're releasing and, and performing? They first like when I when I get a beat from someone, it's it could be anything. I've got a lot of uh, different kind of stuff under my belt, so it's uh, like if if someone um. I I like it's it's best to like listen to the beat all the way through just to see how it changes because sometimes producers will throw in beat switches and stuff will get crazy, but I listen to it all and if I like it or not I use it because I'm not really too concerned about the genre of the of like the beat or like the genre that it's going for because to me I'm willing to work with anything, but. You know, definitely, I'm a sucker for, like, a really amazing sample. That's why I like working with Ed and Steve so much, is because they their sample game is just crazy. And um, same with uh, Hotel Rooms. Hotel Rooms is, is, like, some of the samples that he uses are just next level. And uh, I'm a sucker for a good melody, too. I didn't used to, I, I usually wasn't, well, I, I didn't used to be one for, like, melodic hooks and use of like multi-track vocals for melodies and stuff but i've really gotten into it recently there's more like my next album is going to be a whole lot sing-songy is what i'm saying (laughs) yeah but yeah like once once i get that once i get that beat i choose whether i want to just like straight rap over it or like maybe sing over it or sing the hook and do verses and then i record it i have to put it in the like in the 
the DAW to uh, actually figure out like what the structure is to see if it's like the hooks coming first or the verse. That's always really important because I want I always like my stuff to be structured. If it doesn't have a hook, make it have two verses. Like don't just go off rapping stuff until you're done. You know, it's like they, these 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 are songs. Like they do need some element of structure. I'm not out here making like baroque rap. You know, my stuff's weird, but it's I I don't want to uh be so weird that I'm inaccessible. So I try to like every every song that I make I try to like give it a structure. If it's not going to have a hook chorus, hook chorus type of thing. I mean, hook chorus. Excuse me, hook verse, hook verse kind of structure, you know, I'll give it like two verses and an outro or you know, it just some kind of structure. Right. Yeah. But then I I um I'll mix then I'll mix all the vocals once it's done. I try to sit on it for a couple of days and then come back to it just to see how I like the mixing. And if I I like it, then we're good. I throw it in a folder and uh, send it off to my guy for mastering when it's done. And and how long would it take you to finish writing and then recording a track on average? That's it's it's like it's entirely up to the song because some songs just simply require more from you. They require like you. Uh, they demand more of you, right. like more, or they just demand something different that maybe you're not used to, and it takes a while to figure figure out what it is that suits this beat that you can offer. Uh, Wool Fabric was um, written and recorded in about forty five minutes, and I think it took about half an hour to mix it, and then I put it out the next day. Wow. Uh, that one, that was yeah, that was. That one didn't take long at all. There was I was just very in my bag with that beat. But other times, you know, I'm going for a more complex sound, a more or just something that's different that I'm not used to. It'll probably take you know, I've I've sat on songs for months. Right. You know, I I just uh I just got around to finishing a song with uh the producer Face the Producer. He's a fantastic local guy and I just finished a song that I recorded back during Northern Touch 2019, and it just got finished this month. Like, oh, so, yeah, like yeah. sometimes you just sit on stuff because it isn't sounding quite right. Other times you get it right the first time. That's stressful. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, and, and, that, and that it's, it's very consistent with like all, I think, all genres. Like some songs kind of just write themselves, mm. and like there's a, almost like it's flowing through you. Like you didn't actually write it. It's just coming from somewhere. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then other times it's like you're definitely writing every single word mm-hmm. to make it work. Mm-hmm. So. And you, you start to question yourself sometimes, too. Like when something feels hard to write, you feel like, am I even supposed to be writing this? Is this a good idea? Because, But I what I've noticed is that the songs that were the hardest to make come out being something that I'm really, really proud of. It's like, yeah, I had to do this in 30, 40 takes, and I hated every second of it, and it was arduous to write, but it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So, like, so, so it's, um, yeah, you're, you're, it's definitely the same for, for all genres. There's, there's definitely that element of feeling like it's flowing through you with rap especially because there's a lot of tropes that uh, you can fall into if you're not careful with rap right. music. Like, I've definitely found myself just accidentally stealing bars before. It's like, oh, I heard this in a song three years ago and remembered it subconsciously. I hate you know, that, yeah. You, oh, yeah, it's yeah. terrible. You're like, play- you got to Google your own stuff and whatever just to make sure you're not stealing anything. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I'll, I'll play, I'll, like, I'll be singing a melody. And I'm like, man, I really love this melody. And then I'll hear the song later. And I'm like, 
dang it. That's yeah, that's yeah, song. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I liked it so much. <laughs> so um, thematically, where do you find that your lyrics tend to lean? Like, I, like sometimes they're self-deprecating. Sometimes, like, are there any, like, certain topics that you find that you really want to make mm-hmm. sure you're, you're writing about or things that you're avoiding when you're singing or rapping? The, uh, I, I, my Spotify bio is post stories, music for people who hate the world but still want to have a good time. And I think that that's a pretty good, like, um, description Same, yeah. because because <laughs> there's yeah I I, w- I would describe my lyrics as like hopefully pessimistic oh because there's a lot of self deprecation and a lot of admittance of wow life is incredibly hard day to day and uh, yeah in the grand scheme of things I'm pretty miserable but making music is fun and it's a good time and writing about stuff is fun and I have fun with my friends and doing stuff and going out and go doing shows doing tours like there's there's a lot of good stuff that happens in my life as well and uh just because I'm miserable doesn't mean I can't acknowledge the good stuff that is in my life because there is there there is good things so I my I try to give my lyrics an edge of I'm sad as heck, but I'm also lit. We're do we're we're having a great time. But when I get home, I'm gonna be really sad. But we're having a great time now. <laughs> but when I get home, I'm gonna cry myself to sleep. But I'm having an amazing time right now. I try like I try to give them that kind of like uh, I try to give them that lean, just because I feel like it's more realistic than outright. Just like being in lyrics, it's like, I want to I wanna jump off a building, I hate my life, yo, listen, I'm spitting facts. It's like, I think that it's very, I don't want to say easy, because those feelings are legitimate to a lot of people, but I do think that there is, I think that it's easy to fall into the trap of making lyrics that are so pessimistic and so angry that they become one-dimensional. I think that it's important to like acknowledge that it's not always black and white when it comes to your emotions. And I try to show that in my music. Like, no matter what type of beat or genre it is, I always try to throw that lean into them. I think that's that's really important to remember to, that, that all everything in life is complex. And then mm. by keeping just, like, saying, like, I'm angry, I'm sad, is, what, like, one, like, message from one song. It can be very one-dimensional, as you said. Yeah. So I think that's... that's yeah, absolutely. And, it, like, the same could be said for positive emotions. Like, guys who, like, only rap about how they're on their grind. Mm. It's like, hey, I get it. You work hard, rap about something else, you know? <laughs> right. It's like, it doesn't have to be deep. Yeah. Like, you, like it, it, to make good rap, it's like, it just at the end of the day, it's like, you don't have to be deep. You just have to be interesting. Right. You can mm. be both, but you got to be at least one. Yeah. All right. I think with that, we'll take a break. Absolutely. Uh, amazing. <laughs> For some, for some reason, I want to just call you Post Malone. <laughs> oh, everybody does. Everybody does. <laughs> All right, Mister. Uh, I, yeah. I like to, I like to think that we carry a similar musk. Right. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> mm. I met him in a Minneapolis airport, and he smelled like sandalwood. Oh. Yeah, it was like interesting. Incense or like what boy? Like incense. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. All right. I was surprised. Well, that's cool. Um. But you are Mr. Post. Yes. He'll be Mr. Malone if I ever meet him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what, are, uh, what are you doing as an artist in the local scene to stand out from the other SoundCloud rappers, the other musicians? Um, I think trying to treat what I'm doing with um, 
I wouldn't say, like, I wouldn't say that I'm not serious about certain things, but I do definitely like to uh, take jabs as far as, like, taking yourself super, super seriously goes. Um, I've, I'm a firm believer in that, like, you know, you got to treat this like a job if you want to make it work for you, if you want to make some cash. So, you know, there, there's the element there of, like, treating it like a job, absolutely. But there are people who are at my level and lower and a bit higher as well who uh, I think that they take themselves so seriously that they forget to uh, actually enjoy what they're doing and, like, try new things. Because the, it's, it's, it's as if, like, these guys, you know, we're all still small. Like, we're all still small time. This is our time to, like, experiment and do whatever the heck we want. So, but, like, it's like right from the get-go, there's a marketing plan already in set, already set in place. It's like everything from the get-go is calculated. It's like if someone was an industry plant, but, like, not at, like, that level of, like, being in the industry. Right. You know? So I, I try – what I try to do is – you know, I went I went into this thinking to myself like, oh, there's all these people who are so far above me and they're they're all like just killing it and they're doing shows and they're doing music videos and blah blah blah. W what I learned after about a year of like really getting out there networking is that they're all just people. These like these local guys and other, these these guys at other places too. It's like all these artists are just people and a lot of artists are incredibly flawed and incredibly real. There's not like so I, what I try to do in the game, or like in the local game at the very least, to like I try to keep things light. I keep try to keep things personable, and I try to realize, and I try to like treat everybody as if they're just a person because nobody, it doesn't do anybody any good to put people on a pedestal and or to like put yourself on a pedestal. I think that it's important to like realize, of course, my potential, but it's also important to realize where I am. Right. You know, it's like. Slow down, kid. Mm -hmm. You got a long way to go. And embracing that idea that like everyone's real and every like everyone's complex, is that how you create connections with your listeners by like by addressing that and being honest about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, people, people have often said that they find my lyrics relatable, and I think that that's a really big compliment because if you can make music that people relate to, you like you you're you're already doing something right. Uh, like, uh, you know, people, they, 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 there's a few songs that they gravitate to. Like, I'm Not Okay seems to be one that, uh, people are really resonating with lyric-wise. Um, Wool Fabric's, like, kind of, like, a more fun one that doesn't, like, have any really relatable lyrics. But there's a lot of deep cuts on Ugly Boy as well, my second album, that are, you know, they are based on, like, true experiences in my life, and people, they, they get that when they hear it. And they say, "Oh man, I was in a similar situation." So I try to, uh, I try not to hold any pretenses, or try to. Okay, there, there, there are there are certain people where it's like, I'm counting stacks, got max, I got packs, I got so much money, homie, and they got like 50 listeners on Spotify. It's like you, like why, why would you fake being rich? I know it's what, like, the big rappers are rapping about, but stop, <laughs> you know? Like, it's, like, I, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't see any point in making music that isn't you, 
Right. Yeah. And, and being honest with that. And yeah. Then, and if you are um, rolling in it, right, at that, at that point. Please. Yeah. No, God, like, it's, <laughs> please. Yeah, absolutely. Like, one person I think who does that really well is Larry June. He's like, you know, he, he raps about money all the time, but there's an element of, like, I grinded for this because he's been around since, like, 2010, and he's put out, like, 15, 20 albums. So, like, his fans know that he's been at it for a minute, and, like, they, like, support him because it's like you earn this cash through sheer sheer motivation to keep going. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, it's it's there there's, like, I think that making music that's genuine and that comes from experience is really important. Right. So I have a question for you, and it's totally opinion for those who are listening. If you disagree, you can disagree. But um, what is your opinion on the the local hip-hop scene versus the national hip-hop rap scene versus international? We're Like, we're already at a disadvantage because we're in Canada. Like, nobody from Canada was, was rocking, like, Drake-level fame before Drake came along. You know, he kind of opened uh, he kind of opened the floodgates for not only Toronto but like Canada as a whole, as far as just like recognizing rappers from here. Of course, there's other ones who have like paved the way for him before that. You know, dudes like Mad Child and Swollen Members and like uh, like the the people who like who were able to get hits like mostly on Canadian radio, but build a fan base because of that. Um, like so, like as far as as far as like versus international, there's. There's definitely an element of um, feeling isolated almost because Winnipeg is densely populated, but it's not that big. So you end up seeing a lot of people around a lot. You know, there isn't the feeling of like different spots in Winnipeg where different rappers hang out the way that there is like in Toronto, where it's like they all got their own sets and their own blocks and stuff. In Winnipeg, it's just kind of I'm from Winnipeg. So there's, a, like, another way that it's, like, different from the international hip-hop scene is that, like, we all kind of see each other around, and if you make rap music in Winnipeg, you're going to meet everybody, probably, within <laughs> the first year of doing it. Go to Northern Touch, and then they're all there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's the, and it's, uh, I remember the first time I went to Northern Touch, it was quite surreal, because I didn't know who any of these guys were, and then I went, I went the next year, and I knew who everyone was. You know, you just you just kind of absorb it through uh, through just being around in the scene. So then, how do you think, or what steps should we be taking as as Winnipeggers, or not even just being interested in a certain genre, but how do we get the world interested in local hip hop or local rap music? Me and my manager Neil were talking about this. He runs the company Link Up Connect with uh, Tiana Tate. She's uh, shout out them; they're wonderful. They do great things for me. But, th- like, we were talking about this, how an ideal situation would be for Winnipeg to become the Atlanta of Canada, as far as hip-hop goes. Because Atlanta is another spot that's, like, it's small. Everybody knows everybody. All the artists know each other. You're always, like, one degree of separation away from a super famous artist. Like, that's how all the dudes in the mid-2000s blew up in Atlanta. They weren't, like, uploading stuff on the internet and hoping it caught caught on it's they were going down to magic city and hoping their song got got spun and if it got spun you got plays because it's like magic city was like the one strip club in atlanta that everyone went to and that all the famous rappers went to there was like there was um like in atlanta there's a there's a sense that everybody knows everybody and it's similar for winnipeg but it feels to me like winnipeg is almost uh resisting that like they don't want it i feel like winnipeg 
the rappers who are in Winnipeg, some of them want Winnipeg to be bigger than it is so that there can be a claim of like, I'm with these guys and no one else. Because then at the very least, if this was like a huge city with like tons and tons and tons of rappers, there would be, you know, there would be, there would be a reason to be a bit clicky. There would be an excuse for it. But really in, in Winnipeg in the state it is now, there's nobody who's got like a real crazy leg up on anybody. We're all just artists trying to make it. And so the, the fact that we are so clicky and the fact that so many people I've talked to have been like, you'll mention like a, a, another artist and they'll be like, oh yeah, I've, I've heard of him. He's dope. And it's like, sick. Have you ever worked with him? No. It's like, why not? Right. <laughs> you know? It, like, I think that there is a, because there, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, merit and a lot of pride in, in thinking, in like thinking to yourself, it's like, I, I did this all with only people on my team, you know, only with my day ones. But there's so much talent in the city everywhere you go. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Why right. wouldn't you work with as many people as you can to find who like really vibes with you and who's really like down with what you're making? Like, it, I think that that's why. I think that's why being being like clicky and like having all our own groups and stuff doesn't really work, because who knows if the people you're working with now are the ones who you're going to work with for the rest of your life, or if they're even like, or if they're even the best for you or the worst for you or or anything. Right. You know, I was lucky enough to have a team from the get go who accepted me for me, and who realized what I was about. You know, sticks they saw who I was from the get go, but a lot of the time, what does happen is people will meet a couple certain people in the scene and then stick with them. That's it. Never reach out and collaborate with anyone else. Never network. And that's fine because it seems to me like a lot of people are fine with that to just chill and make music with your homies. But if you're, if you're, if you're out here like trying to treat it like a job and really like get out there, I don't see any, I don't see how reaching out to other people who may not make the same type of music as you or may not hang around the same group of people as you reaching out to them and saying, you know, let's work, let's, let's see what goes on. I can't see how that can be anything other than beneficial. Right. You know, it's like I met, I met, I met, uh, Ed Riley who produced, I'm not okay. You know, I met him just hanging around Gary street coffee, you know, him and I are just there a lot. And then one day we went to his studio. There's like, it's just as as simple as like you know putting putting effort in to show that you know yeah I don't just stay inside by myself all day and work on music by myself. It's like I want to collaborate. I want to make things with other people. You know I think I think showing people that interest is what some is is what the scene is missing. Less so now than it was a couple of years ago when things were very fragmented and everyone was just. You know, nobody was messing with anybody. You know, everything was kind of up in the air as far as Winnipeg hip-hop went, like, in general. Right. You know, now th- we're kind of, like, getting into a new groove of things, and there's a new community springing up. And the old heads who were around, like, in the 90s and 2000s are starting to come around and figure, like, see the merit in the younger in the younger cats. So I think that there is a change happening. But ideally, yeah, I would want Winnipeg to become something similar to the Atlanta of Canada. If Toronto is L.A., Winnipeg should be Atlanta. Should be Atlanta, right. And it will be one day. Right? Oh, we, yeah. we definitely agree. Me and, uh, me and my management team are constantly talking about it. There's, there's, electric, there's electricity in the air. Mm-hmm. 
No, but <laughs> <laughs> but but there there is there is definitely a feeling that things are coming together in a way that they haven't before. Mm. There is something different. Yeah, and we're all very excited about it. It's absolutely, and I, I'm feeling that with 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 many genres locally. Like I feel like there's like we're starting to maybe get traction, or people are kind of acknowledging that maybe Winnipeg is actually a a place. Oh, absolutely. Maybe not that it's a music city, but it's a place. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like there there are people who are making great names for themselves. You know, YSN Fab is doing fantastic. Miyazway is killing it. Begonia has like a wonderful fan base. Royal Canoe are like they're doing amazing for themselves and they just put out an ep with three pete which is amazing mm-hmm. the c3po ep with three pete and royal canoe if like if anybody listening hasn't listened to that you need to it's insanely good amazing. and 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 that would have never happened if both of these groups didn't live in winnipeg that's what happens when you reach out and collaborate with people who are local you know you can make amazing work Agreed. Sorry, <laughs> just writing a note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think maybe when I create a, a playlist for this for this interview, I'll include those that um, EP on the playlist so people can check it out too. Yeah, like every every song's good. It's only four tracks, but like all of them are good. They're they're it's fantastic. A good start, yeah, right? it's like acid jazz rap. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, and I think what you you're, what you're saying is very valid. And when I'm sorry, I'm just like ugh, making all these weird noises ASMR. But <laughs> when I talk to artists, they're always encouraged to listen to other genres and, and listen out of the box of what they what they write to get inspiration. So why can't you do that with the people that you're working with? Like, why would you yeah. go and listen to, if you're going to make rap music, listen to rock or jazz or classical music and then just go write and only work with uh, with hip-hop artists? Yeah. If that, I think that makes sense where you'd want to, like, maybe play with a, a classical pianist or an, uh, maybe even opera or trompo- a trombone. Trumpet or trombone, um, yeah. trombone. There's so much, like, <laughs> there's so many people in this city who are willing to work. They they're willing to work solely for the joy of making stuff. You know, the people here are, and uh, I'm not saying this as like a bad thing at all. There are people who sim in the city who are simply not interested in monetizing their music, and they simply want to create. Right, and that's amazing. Like I um, my my album um. Like my like I'm, I'm recording a uh, a song with a live band, a live jazz band from the outro of my album, and that happened just solely through Instagram. They hit me up and were like, "Yeah, we like your stuff. Do you wanna, do you want like to work with us?" That's and cool. it, yeah, and and it happened, and it's it's a great song. I love Amazing. it. Amazing. I'm looking forward to it. But there, but it's, so I think that people are very concerned about like maintaining the image of like I did it, I did it by myself with my day ones because it's great to be able to say that but we all have day ones that we like prefer to, to like go to it's like that's like me it's with safe. yeah it's like that's me with sticks it's like sticks is like a safe haven i know all those dudes and i know they're always down to work and i know they know i'm always down to work with them but i think that reaching out and trying new things is important and that's like Shout out Drink Bleach and Wolf Punk. They uh, moved from Winnipeg to Toronto recently, and they've been collaborating with all kinds of dope guys out there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's unfortunate when, when artists leave Winnipeg, but I, I, I get it. Having been to Toronto and just mm-hmm. seeing the amount of resources that are there yeah. know, for artists, I'm like, okay, yeah, I kind of get it now. Absolutely, so. yeah. And well, they, and there's, there's like, they uh, don't get it twisted, you know, Drink Bleach and Wolf Punk, you know, they. Uh, They'll be back. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't say anything right now, but we have something planned. 
Oh. <laughs> okay, stay tuned. We, we, we will see them again. Right. Uh, very soon. But, of course, it's, you know, they're, they're still repping sticks, and sticks is always going to be a Winnipeg-born thing because that's the why, it, like, um, when it was created, I don't know exactly when Stick City Cult was created, um, but our leader decided that where we live in Winnipeg, you know, the murder capital of Canada, it's... I don't uh, know if that's true anymore now, you're right, You're right, actually, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's on the books anymore. Right. But like Good job the, Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> shout out shout out whoever got top place. Yeah. But no. there but there was uh there was uh the idea that uh in mythology uh, I think it's Greek mythology, I can't remember, the river Styx, which is like the river that flows through hell. And you know, the whole idea is basically it's like the red river is the river Styx because oh. Winnipeg can be hellish sometimes. So Styx City Cult was always a Winnipeg-born thing right from when our leader started it, and it always will be. Um, and it's going, of course, to, like, you know, it's spreading to Edmonton. We got we got people in, in, uh, in Alberta who are, who are messing with sticks. We got people in Toronto. We got people in Miami. It's, it's something that we want to spread, but we're never going to pretend that we're not from Winnipeg. We know where we're from, and we know how we started. Right. That's good. Um, I hate this kind of shift gears, but um, with, I mean, we have a time limit, so I, I want, I do want to get this in. With 2020, I wanted to do some revisions of how the Winnipeg Music Project kind of goes. And one thing I really want to talk about is um, the environment uh, and climate change and everything. Thank you. Yeah. It's something that w- affects everyone. And with, with the conversations that are happening now and the movements and then the, the things that are changing, um, I wanted to ask, and I will be asking artists in the future, um, what are you doing or what's one thing, even just in the last few months, that you've done differently to help the environment? Um, it's good that you bring that up because the only rapper who's talked about that is Lil Dicky, and Lil Dicky sucks. So, you know, God, God bless. Um, me, actually, I recently, uh, you know, with the, uh, with the move and my big lifestyle change, you know, changing up everything about how I live, one of the things I gave up was my car. I drove everywhere, um, you know. I, it's 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 interesting to t- look back and think about how much money I spent on gas. I would say about half my income went towards gas money. Not only do I save money now, when all I have to do is wait a couple minutes for a bus to come by, but there's also the peace of mind that I am uh, doing my part to lower my carbon footprint, if not just a little bit, because we're all affecting the environment negatively in some way just by being here and being humans you know that's that's kind of what we do is we mess up the planet but um i like getting rid of stuff like cutting out meat or eating less meat you know stuff that's like factory farmed or giving up uh, a car and using public transportation i think you know stuff like that are like they're among the bigger changes you can make and you know there there is the idea of like you know it feels hopeless but we all got to do our part. Yeah. Every little single by little. one of us. Yeah. If, if everyone did a little, something little or something small, something that was easy, it would it would be incredibly impactful. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, but enough preaching. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that the yeah. people will only get it once they start to get annoyed from hearing it so much. And they're like, fine. Okay. I'll stop using plastic yes, bags. That, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I, I, 
you know, some people really don't want to admit it. Yeah. So yeah. it's you know, if, if we if we have to uh, badger him a little bit, so be it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's it. That's all I had to say. But for sure. <laughs> stay tuned next week for your next for your uh, your recycling fact, um, <laughs> which is a real thing. I'm not oh, joking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's I have so dope. Facts. I'm so here for that. <laughs> um. So, what are your current plans? We'll go back. Come back to the music. What are your current plans? Uh, current plan is uh, me and the rest of Stick City Call to have something very special happening very soon. I would say in the next month and a half or so. Uh, just keep keep an eye on uh, on the exchange um, poster boards and stuff. There'll be some stuff out there that you're gonna see that'll kind of give you a hint as to what's coming. But yeah. uh, the leader has specifically told me not to say anything, so mm-hmm. I won't. Okay. But. As far as uh, solo ventures go, I'm currently working on my album. Um, pretty close to done. It's just a matter of getting the executive producer to listen through everything and choose what works best. Because there, there, there's a lot of material; it just needs to be cut down a little bit. Right. You know, not not all my stuff's created equal. But the, the, there's that's going on. There's a lot of um, a lot behind the scenes stuff going on as far as like. Uh, touring goes i'm trying to get a tour going for mid-march um i found out recently that my biggest audience besides winnipeg is phoenix arizona so if you know anybody in phoenix who's trying to book your boy post-war hit my line i actually lived in phoenix so i might actually know someone i'll talk to you about it later thank (laughs) you i really appreciate that so we do have to wrap up unfortunately we are out of time so where can people follow you and support you online and social media uh, one more thing, sorry. Drink Bleach has a single entitled Same Drugs coming out soon. It's produced by Haunter, the fellow who's responsible for uploading Lil Peep's first music videos. So you guys should definitely check that out. Pre-save it on Spotify, all that good stuff. You can find him at, at, at I Hate Drink Bleach on Instagram with two H's. Um, you can find me, though, on Instagram on at Postwar from SoundCloud, on Twitter at Postwar from SC. SC as in like for SoundCloud. Um, I, I'm on YouTube. I got a couple music videos. I just released a music video for I'm Not Okay. Mm-hmm. Same day release as a single. Uh, you can, you know, and I'm under post war on Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Deezer, Pandora, Napster. Just, yeah, just Google post war music and you'll find it. Heck yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the show. This has been really fun and, and refreshing. Um, starting the new year with some 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 rap and some hip hop and, yeah. and and I think that you have a good head on your shoulders and you kind of know what you're doing so that's I'm looking forward to what you do. Thank you, yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Winnipeg Music Project. For more on local music makers, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music by Will and Art from Collector Studio, and a big thank you to UMFM for making this show possible.